Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So um, this morning, we're going to kind of finish up. I thought I was going to preach on glory one time about a month ago, and we've been on it ever since. And so I think we're going to kind of wrap that up this morning. I want to begin by um, just talking about a couple of things. So some of the things we've talked about, and some might be kind of like a new thing that or at least I haven't said yet. This one we've talked about. So God's plan is to overcome the enemy, and I know you got this now, by putting his glory on his bride, by making you carriers of his glory, right? This is his plan. He could do it any way he wanted. He could just go with a breath and he would have complete victory over the enemy. And he is going to accomplish that. But our good God has decided to include us, to put his glory upon us so we're carriers of his glory in this place. And that is the way he's chosen to overcome the enemy. There's a, there's a concept in this book, God's Truth, okay, that, that is cover to cover. And the idea is that you see it in the entire story, okay? The idea is that when his people are not advancing, they're going backwards, okay? You know, there's no such thing as neutral. Either his people are advancing, establishing, conquering, and establishing a kingdom for him, or they are slipping back into false gods and old ways and adopting things of the world. There's no such thing as just standing still and not falling backwards. Do you know that from this story? Okay? Okay. Now, who has experienced a season in your life where you're not being incredibly attacked? There's not all kinds of terrible things happening to you, but you're not doing much either. Have you all have I've had long seasons of my life like that. Okay? Now, those of you that have had those seasons, you probably also know that what happens next is God calls you out. And the moment you begin to take a step in advance in the glory of God, all kinds of attack comes in every way from like every direction, right? Some, <laughs> some kind of crisis will form. I mean, it's almost, it's almost spooky if you didn't understand why this happens. You even have well-meaning people, people that are in the glory of God, that know God, love God, and, and they start doing strange things. <laughs> that starts getting in the way. Okay, so so here's where I'm going with this, an introduction to what we're going to do this morning. Okay, so you know, Jesus said, my Father is always working. And we've been teaching on glory. So what does that mean? If the Father is always working, it means the glory of God is always on the move. Okay, right? The glory of God, the presence of God is always on the move. The Father is always working, advancing the kingdom. So, in other words, if we are not moving with the glory of God, it means the glory of God's moving away from us. Right? Is that? Am I telling the truth? Okay. He's moving. So we're moving with Him. Now, one... Well, I should, I should quit saying one last thought because that usually means I have three more. But um, to develop this, just one more step before we look at a story here. Um, 
Do you know that the enemy is satisfied just to sideline you? Okay? He's satisfied just, he doesn't even need to like utterly and completely destroy you. Okay? He's satisfied just to get you in a cave, just to sideline you. Okay? Do you know why? It's, he's stealing, and it's, it's what I just said. You see, if you're sidelined, you're automatically moving backwards and the kingdom of God's not advancing. He knows this. Our enemy knows this. Okay? So, I'm going to say this. The absence of glory, the absence of God's presence and power, the absence of glory, automatically begins a slow drift of the hunger of the heart for more of God's glory. Did you catch it? The absence of glory automatically begins a drift of the hunger of the heart, a drift backwards of the hunger of the heart for more of God's presence. You know that's true. Okay? You see, when we advance... Okay, see, I've, I've got one more thought. And then we're going to jump in. You see, when we advance in faith, when we take faith and take a step, we are giving God occasion, a place to manifest His presence, His glory, right? Why does, why does His presence come? Why does His glory come on our behalf? Because we need a breakthrough. You see, it's for the needed breakthroughs to advance the kingdom. If we're standing still, if we're not advancing, there's no need for that glory. We don't give occasion of God to manifest His glory, His presence, His, His ability in our life so that He's glorified. Does that make sense? Am I doing okay? Okay? This story is about that, and, and this is going to be... I actually was really stuck this week, and I had two of um, some of our most amazing women pray for me, and then this was just released. It took me to a completely different thing than what I thought I was doing. And, um, and we're going to look at a story. We're actually going to look at the story of Elijah. Okay? The prophet Elijah with a J. And I'm going to tell, for time's sake, I knew we had lots of awesome things that God wanted to do this morning. Pray for mothers and anoint elders. And what a great day. We could just go home, right? I mean, <laughs> but we're not. <laughs> because God does want to give a gift. I'm going to, give, I'm going to tell a long story, a quick version of a long story. And I believe God just has one, one gift that He wants us all to go home crystal clear on this morning. Okay, so I'm even going to be reading scriptures. It's not her fault. They're not, a lot of it's not going to be up here. I'm going to move quickly because part of the power of this story is the context of the story. Okay, you know, our lives happen in context. The glory of God happens in context. Okay, so the context here, I'm just going to start into the story here. Elijah the prophet is living under the, in the time of the reign of King Ahab. Now, Ahab is the king that the Word of God literally says um, he gets the honorable distinction of being the king who does more evil in the sight of the Lord than any other king of Israel. Um, it also says he also gets the distinction of, um, of being the king who provokes the Lord to anger more than all of the previous kings combined. 
Okay, that's that's King Ahab. Now, so here's what he does. Um, the historical context here is he wants to have political alliance. He wants to strengthen Israel, and he thinks the way he's going to do it is by making alliances with other kingdoms. Okay, so he marries Jezebel, the princess of Sidon or Sidon. How do you pronounce that? Okay. And their God is Baal. Now I'm going to tell you for just a second about Baal. Baal is, has become to be seen, he's a specific God, okay, in their time, but he's also come to be seen as basically anything contrary to God, all false gods, okay? Specifically, he's the God, uh, he or it or whatever, is the God of storms and rain, okay? So that side, and fertility or harvest, okay? Now, there's nothing unique about Baal at this moment in history. He's an ancient god. He's been around a long time before Jezebel or King Ahab, okay? But what is unique at this moment in time is that Jezebel comes into the kingdom of God, comes into Israel, and has a specific agenda to mingle Baal with the worship of the one true God. Okay? And the strategy, it's a strategy. And it's not without thought. Her thought is, if I can mingle Baal with the worship of the one true God, we can eventually eliminate the worship of the one true God and Baal will have been exalted. And Ahab actually ends up building a temple and altars to Baal. Okay? That's, that's our historical context. Now, <laughs> Elijah has a context of his own. Okay, oh, I, oh, I have to tell you this. Um, Jezebel has, has set her face so strongly onto this course that she started a campaign and she's slaughtering all of the true prophets of God. She's trying to completely annihilate them. So God has led Elijah out into the outskirts, into the countryside, and he's doing... Um, He's participating in a little bit of glory. You know, he's raising kids from the dead and, and giving widows jars that never run out of food, no matter if you keep taking food. You know, a little bit of glory. He's having a good old time. Okay? And so how many of you have had a time in your life where, like, you're doing fine? My, my life is fine. My family's fine. Or my ministry's doing well. And then the word of the Lord comes in. Some calling comes in and it shatters everything. You're like, I was doing great. Anybody? This is what happens at this moment that we're gonna we're gonna begin into. Um, Elijah's out there participating in glory. His ministry is powerful. And then um, in First Kings eighteen in verse one, the word of the Lord comes to him. And here it says, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Uh-oh. <laughs> In the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Okay, now you understand that's a bad assignment, right? He's doing fine. <laughs> and he's supposed to go present himself to Ahab who's married to Jezebel who's slaughtering all the true prophets of God. But he's an obedient guy, so he goes. Now, look, I'm going to tell you another piece of the story, and I'm purposely moving through this story because I'm not 
gonna I want to get you to celebrate Mother's Day with the women in your life and everything, but um, I don't want to run out of time for that point. So, so here's what he does. So he's going to present himself to Ahab, and he runs into a man named Obadiah. Obadiah is the master of Ahab's house, or the the chief steward of his house, takes care of his personal affairs and his household. Obadiah fears the one true God, and he has um, taken, it says, a hundred prophets, 50 of which, I'm not sure why it says that, I'm not sure why all hundred aren't in the cave, but 50 of which he sticks in a cave and feeds them to keep them alive. Okay? Now, I want you to see something here. Is Obadiah saving those prophets' lives? Yeah, he is. But what's really going on? They've been sidelined, right? The glory of God, those who carry the glory of God are stuck in it or have been stuck away in a cave. You see, the enemy through false worship, through false gods, through Baal has sidelined the true prophets of God. That's what's going on. They're stuck in a cave. And then Elijah shows up to Obadiah. And how about verse 7? Now some of these I may not actually have given Liz and none of this is her fault. It's all my fault. (laughs) And it says, Now as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly, suddenly Elijah met him. And he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is that you, my Lord Elijah? Now here it comes. Elijah says, And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your master, which is King Ahab, Elijah is here. (laughs) Okay, that's also a bad assignment. Can you imagine (laughs) being the master of the king's house, slaughtering the true prophets? It's like something out of a horror movie. He's supposed to show up and go, Elijah's back. You know, that's <laughs> that's what's the word of God crashing into his life. Okay? Now, so here's what happens. I'm just going to tell you this part. So then Obadiah says, you realize you're sentencing me to death because you've been out hiding. Nobody can find you. If I go tell the king that you're here or you're back, And then we can't find you again. They're going to kill me. Now, I want you to hear the confidence of Elijah. Elijah in verse 15 there says, Then Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. That's his confidence. He says, Nope, trust me. Go tell him because I'm coming today. Okay? Okay, hold that the confidence that he has at this moment. Now, you all know the famous part is what happens next. So you could teach for six months on the the contest that Elijah has with the false prophets next. And you all know the story, but I'll give the quick version, okay? So here's what happens next. He challenges, he says um, to the people of Israel, he says, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him, right? Two opinions. Um, a couple of months ago, we were we were te- we were learning about um, mindsets that are contrary to God, and we talked about a scripture that says, "Do not be double-minded." And you remember that means two-spirited. 
are of two opinions. And it goes on and says, because if you're double-minded, that man is unstable in all of his ways and should not expect any blessing of the Lord. Right? So he's challenging them saying, you're double-minded. So he sets up a contest. I bet you all know this story. And he says, you know, all the prophets of Baal, he says, you set up your altar, slaughter a bull, put it on the altar, and you'll pray to your, don't provide fire, and you pray to your God, and if the fire comes, then he's the true God. You all do it together. There's hundreds of prophets of Baal who eat at the, the queen mother's table. That's what they called Jezebel. Here, let's do it together. I'll say queen mother and you go, ooh. Ready? Queen mother. Ooh. You can just feel how wrong that is, right? And then so he builds his altar. He's going to slaughter his bull and he's going to call on God. And if the fire comes, then that's the true God. Now, you know how that story goes. You know who wins. Um, God wins. Elijah wins. And, and the, the, um, what happens is, actually, I've got to tell this part. How many of you all know the, the God is humorous? He has the best sense of humor ever. So at some point, they're, all, they're cutting themselves and bleeding all over themselves and screaming and dancing and trying to get their gods to light the fire. And in verse 27, um, Elijah just begins mocking them. Elijah starts going, um, cry aloud for he is God. Is he, is he meditating? Is he busy? Oh, is your God on a journey? Is he sleeping and you need to wake him up? I mean, can you picture that scene? This is the confidence of this, of this guy and the strength of the Lord. He's over there going, mm, you know. And he pours water all over his altar so much that it starts to fill a trench around the altar. And when the fire of God comes, now I'm, I've got to be careful. I'm going to get us in here for hours now. It, it literally sucks up the water from the trenches and completely consumes everything to ash, even like crushing stone. And there, that's, yeah, the humor of God. So they're worshiping, thank you, they're worshiping Baal, which is supposed to be the God of rain and storm, fertility, harvest. And Israel is in a drought. You notice the word of the Lord to Elijah is um, go present yourself to King Ahab and I'll end the drought. I'll end the famine. The irony. So worship Baal. If you're ever in a prolonged drought or a prolonged famine in your life, it's probably a good time to seek the Lord on what's going on, right? There could be there could be some of that mingling going on in your life. I know I've done it. And when you find out what the problem is, often the glory of God often comes and he, He'll change your situation. Now, that's your you caused that, that little trap. So, <laughs> I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> the result is the people are crying, the Lord, He is God, the Lord, He is God. You see, the glory of God comes, the transforming presence that we've been talking about for about a month, their mind is righted. They didn't have an eight-month theological course over at the master's school or something. They had the glory of God come and they said, the truth, the Lord is God, the Lord is God, right? Okay, now, that's the introduction. <laughs> this is the one thing that that I'm absolutely certain God wants me to give you this morning. 
After all of this, this is what happens. Elijah's been participating in all of this glory for the advancement, for the writing of the kingdom of God, for getting it on the right course, reestablishing the glory of God in the kingdom. And the next thing that happens is Jezebel says, oh, I I also need to tell you, he takes all of the prophets of Baal down to the river and slaughters them. I'm not sure how one guy slaughters hundreds of people. And I mean, um, I don't even know how that works, but uh, that's what happens. So Jezebel swears that the same fate is going to come on him. In other words, she swears that she's going to make sure he dies. He's killed. Okay. So in 1 Kings 19 and in verse 9, this is um, Elijah's fled the same confident guy. And it says, and there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. Now I want you to catch something here, okay? The enemy has already sidelined the true prophets of God in a cave. The word of the Lord's not going out. Now Elijah, who's participating in all of this glory, runs off to hide in a cave. He's been sidelined. Okay, right? This is what you've got to catch. One discouraging word, one threat from Jezebel gets him off hiding in a cave after all of this glory. Can you imagine? I sit there and read the story and and if I'm not careful with the spirit of pride, I'm almost tempted to go, man, if I participated in all that kind of glory of God, like the things that he was doing, I'd be set. And yet you see Elijah here, who the next thing you know, after all of this advancement of the kingdom of God and writing of things, he's hiding in a cave. He's been sidelined. One discouraging word, one threat, one anxiety is what it took to just change his mindset and get him hiding in a cave. Sidelined. As long as he can sideline, his, the, the enemy's kingdom is secure, Right? Now, I want you to hear what the Lord says. So he's in the cave, spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I love that so much. That is the heart of God. Do you know what? You see what's going on there. God comes and speaks. He's saying that to us today. I'm just telling you, he's saying that to you. He's saying that to me. Whenever we're sidelined, whenever we're not advancing, stepping, giving occasion for his glory because we're stepping in faith, God's coming going, what are you doing here? (laughs) Don't you know who you are yet? Don't you know how I love you? Don't you know that you're, you're the place for my glory? You're my plan for the conquering of the enemy, for the advancement of the kingdom. And when you're sidelined, God comes and says, what are you doing? <laughs> right? And so now listen to Elijah's response, okay? This is what Elijah says. <laughs> you can't have more fun than I am. <laughs> He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Now I want you to notice something. Most of what he just said is actually not true. 
Some of it is, but some of it's not. In other words, he's in a bad place. It's, it's given you a glimpse. See, Elijah, in all of the glory that the Lord called into his prophetic life, he's a man. <laughs> okay? He's a man. And I want you to notice that like he says, um, I alone am left. Is that true? No, there's other prophets. They're stuck in caves too, unfortunately at the moment. But, and he may not know that, so we'll cut him some grace. But then the next thing he says is, and they seek to take my life. Is that true? No, the people of Israel were just crying out, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. Jezebel seeks to take his life. Well, good for her, but mostly her mindset, I mean, Elijah's mindset here is not even a true mindset. It's just him. One discouraging word puts him on the sideline. Okay? How many of you know that? That like you, I mean, I know that I am not the strongest guy in the world. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've known people that are able to just like walk in strength and, and they're, they're a duck, you know, everything rolls off. I know the truth of this story. I can just tell you in humility right now. I can be marching along. God can be accomplishing things that are so exciting and glorious. The kingdom of God's advancing. And one threat, one other person's opinion or something can throw me on the sideline. Have you? Yeah? That's what we're reading here. Now, I want to I wanna show you what the Lord does next. Okay, so that, that's the bad news, right? <laughs> that's the bad news of all of this. There's good news, and that's what we're going to look at here. Okay, in verse 11. The Lord answers and says, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Now, I'm just going to read this whole part, but pay really close attention to the words. I want you to note the oddity in this, okay? And we've been teaching on glory, so be thinking of glory, the presence of God, okay? He says, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rock in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Now listen, I, I know that this is true and I know I'm supposed to tell you this. God is willing to do all kinds of things in your life fires and winds and earthquake and crises and, and all kinds of things to get your attention. Okay, He loves you that much. You're His treasure. You're His inheritance. And he will, he will do things in your life what's required to get your attention. But I just want you to notice something. None of those things are His presence itself. I just talked about he was not, he himself was not in those things. Was he doing those things? Was it because of him? It was, but that it was not him, he himself. Okay? And then it says, um, and after <clears throat> the fire, a still small voice. Okay, now listen. And it says, so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. 
Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Okay, deja vu. It's going to repeat exactly the same conversation. But this time he's being brought out of the cave. Folks, what brought him out of the cave? His presence, his, his voice, his actual presence is what gets us off of the sideline and starts to call us back into the center of the action. Now remember, in the center of God's will, advancing, going with God is where we give occasion in faith for his glory to manifest. On the sideline, there's no glory there. There's no need for it. There's no advancing going on. There's no breakthroughs needed there. Okay? And then he repeats his answer. I mean, literally, word for word, they're having exactly the same conversation. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. <laughs> he's, still, he's still in that mindset, but he's, he's being drawn out by the small voice of the Lord, the presence of God. Then the Lord said to him, go. Love that. You see that? In other words, back into the action. Get out of the cave. What are you doing here? (laughs) That's what the Lord's saying to us, some of you right here this morning, right now. The Lord's saying that to you. He's going, what are you doing? (laughs) Do you know that you're the carrier of my glory? Do you know that you're my treasure? that I am for you and I am with you. What are you doing here on the sideline? Okay? Now I'm going to show you what he calls him to do and there's great gold in this. Okay? Go, get back into the action, get off the sideline. And he says, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus and when you arrive, he's going to anoint three people. Now listen, anoint Hazael as king over Syria, and you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elijah, the son of Shaphat of Abel, uh, Mehoah, maybe I said that right, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Three people. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but let me finish this. It says, it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, uh, Elijah will kill. I'm going to show you what's going on here. What does he have him do? He says, what are you doing here? He gets him out of the cave. Now put yourself in these shoes. You do understand that you're a prophet of God, right? You're a king, you're a priest, and you're a prophet when you're Jesus's. Somebody say amen or something. That's just too exciting to be silent. (laughs) Okay, so he tells him, go anoint some people. Now listen, three different people. One, they anoint a king of Syria, of a kingdom of the world that is not the kingdom of God, that is not Israel, or is not the church. Okay, also anoint leaders, or in this case, a particular king of Israel, leaders of Israel the church, and then anoint the prophet, the carriers of the glory of God. You see three things here. Now bear with me. Keep going with me. 
God promises that His glory will win. Get back into the action. Anoint people that I am naming, that I am calling forth, and and my glory is going to win. Now, I want you to see something. He is willing to use the world. He uses the world for the advancement of His kingdom. He does. You know that. And then He uses the leadership of the church. Those that are anointed to lead. And um, if you were here last week at least, please tell me you've got this. Who's a leader in here? All of us. Every single one of you is called to lead something. At the very least, it's to lead your own life. Or to be a leader in your family. Or a leader of a ministry here. You're all anointed in God. There's no such thing as a bench-riding Christian, okay? Okay? Because he doesn't design it that way. He wants to bless you more than that. Okay? So then he uses you all. And then the last thing is, Elijah with the SH that's anointed is literally representing the glory of God. In other words, if those that are contrary to the advancement of my kingdom are still surviving after that, my glory itself is going to wipe it out. And I know some of you have seen that before. Have you been in places where the glory of God begins to come into a church? The first thing that begins to happen is some people start leaving because there are, if that's not what you seek, the presence of God deep within you and, and around you and calling you out into things, it's, it will create a nervousness. It will create an antagonism. You just can't stand it. You've got to leave. And that, that's what's happening here goes to him at the cave and says, what are you doing here? My purposes are to advance the kingdom, not be on the sidelines. And it it takes one discouraging word to move you to the sideline. The good news is, it takes one word from the king to get you out of the cave, back out, back spreading the glory of God, anointing the brothers and sisters around you, In other words, empowering the brothers and sisters around you to advance the kingdom of God. If you know you're on the sideline right now, just draw close. Just take faith from this story. This story is the truth about God's nature over you and the way He loves you. Just draw close. Take it to prayer. I promise He will answer you and move you off the sideline. I promise. I stake my life on it. He will meet you there if you come in humility. So, Lord, I know I'm on the sideline. I need your voice to to tell me to go. If you know people are on the sideline, you can be a part of that voice of God. If you see it, things coming against people, sidelining people, that are, that are the treasures of God, the carriers of His glory, and you can't see any glory, that's not God's plan for them. You can pray for them. You can be a part of God's voice to them. Okay? Do you believe that? Okay. That's what I got. Just the one point. He just wants you to know that today. He wants you to know that the enemy wants to sideline you 
And as long as it is him that you seek, if you seek the still small voice, okay, if you see all kinds of things going on in your life, if he is, if he is wiping himself out trying to get your attention, <laughs> draw in, ask for his voice, and I promise he'll speak. <laughs> 